Welcome to the Remote CEO Show. My name is De Niro Bartolini, AKA De Niro B. I'm an acclaimed business coach and my moonshot is to change the face of work and business forever. With each episode, we bring you some of the most inspiring and insightful interviews with six, seven, eight, and nine figure entrepreneurs to crack the code on how to build your remote empire and have fun while doing it. Thanks for stopping by and let's get started. What's going on, CEOs? Daniel will be here with another episode of the Remote CEO Show. Today, we're here with Josh Goldstein. Josh is the co-founder of Underdog.io. He connects exceptional individuals with tech companies minus the middleman. Before founding Underdog.io, he directed operations at Bonzi and even dabbled in VC. Today, we'll talk about building strong remote teams, how to market a new product, and much more. I'm very excited for this chat. Let's get right into it. Welcome to the Remote CEO Show. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for being here. I ask every single one of my guests to tell us a bit more about their story. What made you become an entrepreneur? Uh, sure. Yeah. So um, uh, let's see. I... I, I um, I'm from a family of entrepreneurs. Um, I, I realized kind of after the fact that uh, uh, most people, most of the uh, the um, uh, the working adults on my dad's side are, are entrepreneurs, and so we all kind of just uh, fell into that. But I think uh, a lot of it has to do with how we were raised. Um, uh, I worked uh, in finance for a little bit, and and uh, kind of knew that wasn't really going to be my, my end goal. Um, I was, uh, from there, um, went to, went on to do something a little bit more entrepreneurial. I was a professional poker player for a number of years. Um, and then, uh, kind of transitioned into going to business school with the idea that I would start a business, um, while learning all of the, you know, the fundamentals from business school. So, um, I think the, plan here was always to do something entrepreneurial um and uh and yeah that's fantastic i find there there's generally two types of people that come to my show i interviewed probably like 500 entrepreneurs and some of them like you of course they have like some role models in the family and then brought entrepreneurship right in your blood right when you were growing up some other people that I interviewed, I interviewed someone else today they said you know like my family they were doctors and everything else and they just got so sick about hearing about the whole employee thing and working for someone else that I just decided to to go the completely different route, right? Uh, but I think, like you said, like the big thing is you worked uh, for finance. Like, uh, let me ask you this question, then we'll get straight into the, the meat and potatoes of our conversation today. But you said that you worked in finance for a bit and you said that you knew that it wasn't for you. Did you know from day one and you used it as a stepping stone or did you think at the beginning, hey, let me give this a shot and then after a few months, you decided that it wasn't for you? No, I, I knew from day one. So I, I grew up, my, my dad used to tell me stories of um, my grandparents who owned, uh, my, my grandfather who owned a bakery. Um, and so brick and mortar, right? But, uh, and, and then, you know, later he would tell me stories, his, uh, they owned a liquor shop. So um, he would always talk to me about, um, you know, being an employee versus being an owner. 
um, kind of, you know, being able to uh, build something that potentially scales, um, having, you know, money work for you or people work for you. Um, so these were all kind of, you know, uh, uh, you know, conversations that kind of solidified my, uh, my understanding of what I, what I wanted to be when I was very young. Um, the, the finance role that I took was kind of just, a I needed a job out of school mm. and I thought it was a, a good idea to take, to, to, you know, to get some work experience. Um, uh, and, and I, I'm, I'm glad that I did cause you know, uh, you know, I, I think it was helpful for me, um, to work at corporate America for a little bit to, 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 to really understand, you know, you know, <laughs> just how on, how corporate America works. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and like, you know, just get my feet wet with, uh, with everything. Absolutely. All right. So I want to switch gears here and talk about your current business underdog.il. Um, can you tell our audience what it is and what do you guys do? Yeah. Uh, underdog is a uh, recruiting marketplace. We actually, we, we sell it, uh, to companies as a recruiting enablement tool, but, but the, the, the core of the business is a, a marketplace product. Um, the idea there, um, is that, uh, candidates who are, uh, looking for new opportunities can, can come to underdog and fill out a, a quick form. And, um, if they're a, a good fit for the network, for the companies that we work with, um, we will then share them in a, uh, in a, in an upcoming cohort, um, on the flip side, companies get access to, you know, uh, a, a, a new cohort of, you know, pre-vetted, um, active kind of, you know, high quality because they're pre-vetted active, um, candidates, um, and, and they can reach out to anyone that looks particularly interesting. So that's kind of the, the two different, uh, the two different pools of people that we're trying to help, um, come together. That's fantastic. And so let me, uh, bring me back to the beginning here. Like I said, at the remote CL, we're big into showing our listeners how to put together a business from day one. And so I want to understand what the process was when you were doing the hiring in what order you decided, first off, when did you decide to hire people or was it already like a joint project with a team when you started underdog? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, go ahead. Yeah. We, we started underdog in 2014. I started with my, with my co-founder, Chris. Um, there was actually a third co-founder of the business, um, who, who joined kind of shortly after we launched, um, for a few months, he was the, uh, the, the VP of engineering at my last company, and this was a software product. And so originally Chris and I kind of built the first version, um, without any, uh, without any help, um, you know, have, we, we built it and launched it in a couple of days, uh, uh, and it, it got an we'd been working on a number of different business ideas for five or six months. Um, and this was kind of the first one that got traction almost immediately. Uh, and so he contacted my old VP of engineering, my last company and said, look, we need help. So he joined on for, for a little bit and then, uh, unfortunately had, had to depart. Um, uh, and so it was really just the two of us it was me, me, me and Chris for a while. And then, um, uh, you know, because we were building a software product, it made sense for us to, uh, to go about hiring some software engineers. Yeah. Uh, um, and so we hired our first candidate or our first employee, um, through underdog as you, and, you know, as, yeah. as you would expect, yeah. uh, he was a remote employee. So he worked in Chicago. We were in New York. Uh, I still remember kind of getting to Chicago. We, we went to Chicago and, and did like our first whiteboarding session with him. Um, and you know, I still remember kind of explaining all of the the challenges that we were running into, 
um, because we were doing so many things manually. Uh, and I remember him saying like, this is why technology exists. Like we can build all of these things with software. Um, and so the first software product we actually built, um, was, was the admin tool. It was kind of, you know, it wasn't candidate facing or company facing it was everything was internal, uh, so that we could, um, we could essentially, uh, you know, ingest candidate information and, and review candidates quickly and efficiently, um, and then send candidates to the right types of companies. Um, so that was kind of V1, um, yeah. and he, he was that, that one engineer was, was, uh, you know, a big part of that, of it at the, at the start. And then from there we would, we would go on to hire, um, we kind of stuck to hiring just engineers for a while. Um, so we had a few engineers that we worked with, um, that, that really helped us kind of build the, the, the software part of it. Makes sense. I'm going to ask a question. At the very beginning, you said it was just you and your co-founders uh, uh, and then one person. So the the minimum viable product that you'd launched before you hired the software engineer, how did it look like A and B? Like, I mean, how did you design it if you didn't have previous experience? Did you have contractors coming in and build something? Actually, no. Um, oh, wow. We did it all ourselves. So so uh, Chris, my co-founder, we got a little bit lucky that he has a, a, a pretty good design sense great design sense. Uh, and so I was kind of the, the joke is I was like standing over his shoulder, kind of pointing at things on the screen. Um, <laughs> but, um, the first version of underdog was actually just an email. Um, so the, the idea was kind of similar, but the, 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 what was happening was we were getting the candidates that were applying to an email address. We were going through each candidate. Um, you know, we were selecting the ones that we thought were, were, you know, going to be a strong fit for at the time our, our core market was, uh, you know, early to mid stage startups. Um, and so would com candidates be a good fit for those types of companies? Um, we picked out a, a number of them and then we put them into a, you know, their information into a spreadsheet, um, with their resume and then just copy and pasted that spreadsheet into an email. Uh, and so companies were paying us a couple hundred dollars a month for access to that email drop, which came out once a week. Wow. Um, and so that was the first, the first version, um, uh, which <laughs> looking back on it, there, there was something kind of magical about having just an email based product. Honestly, like I am so glad that I asked this follow-up question about how the software worked before, because this actually shows and, and for those that are listening at home right now, and they're afraid to start something because you think that it's super complex. Like this actually takes like, you know, uh, software as a service in a way to literally the, like, again, when I talk about a minimal viable product, this is genius. Absolutely genius. You're basically at almost like a VIP, a VIP newsletter where exactly. people paid to get, you know, and like you said, access to the information. This is fantastic. Uh, let's get into the second stage. So now you have the product, you have people that are running or the, the machine, basically they actually they're building the website for you and, and, and the platform, uh, marketing, was it something that kind of spread, uh, word of mouth, um, or did you go hard on marketing and branding at a certain point? Um, we, uh, I guess, so I said, you know, I, we were a little bit lucky that Chris had a really good design sense and, and he built the first version, you know, he learned Flask and Python and, um, I, I would say that I probably had, had 
um, a, a decent sense for the marketing side of it. Um, early on, we tried anything and everything that we could. Because it's a marketplace product, you have to find both the candidates and the companies. And so yep. on the ca- on the candidate side, um, you know, we um, we tried, you know, every, we posted to every job board we could. We found little newsletters that, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, worked with uh, newsletters for engineers, for example, JavaScript Weekly, things like that. Um, and and we we were the oftentimes the, the first ones to even um, advertise with, with them. Um, so I'd email I'd email like a, a newsletter that we found, and I would say, Hey, have you ever considered advertising? Would you be interested in in running um, you know a, a banner uh, with 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 Underdog? Um, and so that's that was how we. Uh, we built once it was kind of running was we were just finding little pockets of people here and there candidates. Um, and then, you know, on the company side, um, we, uh, we had, you know, when we first launched, we posted on Reddit, we posted on Hacker news, we posted on, we, we got some random traction, um, that way, uh, tech Punch actually wrote about us a few days after we launched. Um, I don't know how they found out about us, but they did. Um, but, uh, but any, it was, you know, a different time, right. 2014. Yeah. Um, but, but, um, uh, we also kind of, uh, we, we wrote a few medium posts that did, did well talking about how we were building the product and the platform and why, um, you know, so kind of the transparency behind what was going on. Um, and then we had some companies that were, you know, interested in paying us upfront, um, and so we, uh, once they started using us and they were having success, one of the early strategies was to go find the, go talk to the venture capitalists that had invested in them, uh, and, and ask them if they would be interested in introducing us to their other portfolio companies, uh, because, uh, you know, their, you know, XYZ company, Harry's or Warby Parker had just hired a, a you know, senior mobile engineer, um, so, so, uh, we grew kind of through that, that way on the company side, um, kind of through the different portfolios at the, at the VCs. That's, that's fantastic. I want to switch gears for a second and talk about something that's very important after you hire a team and you start marketing and growing your business, which is making sure that the culture within the business stays strong. First question, and then we're going to move on to the follow-ups. Did you have a remote team? Uh, from day one, or is it uh, office based? What's your situation? We've done both. Um, there were times where we were all in office, um, kind of depended depending on the because we've been doing this for ten years. It depends on yeah. you know w- w- when. Um, but uh, we've also right now we're remote. Um, I guess we we went fully remote during uh, early twenty twenty one. 2020 during COVID, um, uh, you know, um, we've, we've always worked with the remote employees, even when we were, when we were in our office, like we had two members of the team that were remote. Um, I, I would say, you know, we're, we're, we've always been lean and, and therefore pretty small. And so, um, building culture, I, I think culture is kind of a, uh, a thing for for a small team where i mean the culture is kind of if you, if you have a five person team six person team ten person team like 
it's gonna it's gonna morph it's gonna change every single time you add someone um and and so it's it's just about like um being open to that change um but also like steering it in in certain ways um but then obviously the most important thing is kind of bringing in you know great people that you want to work with that you think would be good for the team um both you know for the work that they're going to do but also for uh you know from, from a culture perspective so um we would have uh lots of conversations especially you know when you're starting out you want to make sure that you're bringing in the right types of people uh, but we'd have a lot of conversations about um you know both do we think they're going to be able to get the work done uh you know are they are they, are they um strong you know do they're gonna be strong employees from from uh from that perspective but also do we think that they're gonna you know add to the culture absolutely and the question that I was going to ask, actually, I think it's great that you had both, uh, you know, you've seen both sides from uh, from an in-office perspective and a totally remote perspective. Um, so like you, you told me about one thing that it's actually very cool that you said is that uh, the dynamics of a team change every time you add someone. And, and that actually like resonates with that with me, but I'm sure with a lot of listeners at home, because as you add more people, Obviously, like the new person relates in a different way with everybody. And and like you said, all the dynamics change. But is there something that you can say, maybe like uh, a couple of pros and cons, uh, or maybe a pro and a con about going totally remote from actually having an office, like for 99% of the people? Is there something... Yes, but tell me maybe like some good things about going fully remote and some things that you wish were not as hard possibly uh or not as challenging uh now uh that you have a team that you wish yeah challenging yeah i mean uh, um i think that it obviously it really depends on your business and 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 how you interact with your um your employees um there have been times when being in office were was actually really valuable um you know early on you know being able to to brainstorm you know pricing uh after a, a customer call um you know in front of a whiteboard or you know just being able to go for a walk and talk about you know a specific challenge um that was I, you know, always something that we cherished. I think it was helpful. Um, but, and, and also like, you know, just, just being sometimes in the same location as your customers, yeah. you can do house calls, I think was, was helpful. Um, but you know, the, the, the other thing is like, when you go remote, you can, like, it's, it's very challenging. We were in New York, so there's really good talent in New York, but it's like, it's, it's, you really open yourself up to an entirely new world of, um, of talent when you go remote. And so, you know, especially if you're building software, which can be very expensive, um, you know, opening yourself up to remote, uh, can allow you to hire more talented people, um, more diverse people, uh, um, you know, so, we've we've done both i think like i said we we i think there's benefits to both i think it's just uh it kind of depends on what you're building and and at like what stage you're at 
Absolutely. Josh, I wanted to ask you if there's anything exciting coming down the pike that you want to share with our audience. Yeah, absolutely. So we actually launched a new job board this week. It's called Delightful. We're really excited about it. Um, and so, you know, a, a lot of time went into this idea. Um, you know, the last, uh, you know, 18 months, I'd say maybe longer has, has been, you know, really challenging for uh, many in tech. Uh, a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of layoffs, uh, a lot of, uh, uh, just just a lot of upheaval within the market um and so um you know that is a, a good portion of our candidate pool um yeah. and we've asked our candidates um you know what they're thinking what they're doing and what we've learned is a, a lot of them would be interested in um opportunities at larger larger organizations, companies that you might not expect them to say. So um, we launched Delightful with that in mind um, to be able to connect, uh, you know, great technologists with you know potentially more storied or more stable organizations. Yeah. Um, so you know the idea there, you know, we'll, we'll see. It's still early, early, right? We launched this week, but. Um, you know, we want to be able to introduce our our candidate pool to companies that you know, to be quite frank, probably couldn't get a hold or get get um, interest from those types of candidates before. That is fantastic, and I'm sure that my listeners at home will want to know more about uh, your your platforms. So, where can people find you online, Josh? Yeah, so Underdog is just Underdog.io. Um, they can go there to, to read more about um, the platform that we've been building for the last 10 years. And then the, the new job board um, is called uh, Delightful. You can find it at delightfuljobs.com. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm also, you know, I'm on social, so LinkedIn, Twitter, all of those things. That is fantastic. Again, Josh, thanks for being at the Remote CEO Show. I'm looking forward to having you back in the future. And in the meantime, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And this is it for today, CEOs. Thanks for staying with us until the end. Can I ask you a big favor? Can you please leave a review? I know the podcast app is not super straightforward. So if you don't know how to leave a review, just DM me on Instagram at B. D-E-N-I-E-R-O-B and I will send you the direct link to the review section and to show you my appreciation, I will answer any business question you ask me during that conversation. So thank you again and I will talk to you again soon.